Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 1st of August 2020, and the title of this episode is The Ennies and Controversies. I believe the expression is, it's the morning after the night before, except I can't use it, as I was up until well after 5am for my first ever Gen Con and Ennies award. I slept through what was left of the morning. I'm still here in Scotland, and my attendance was only made possible through both events and weaving online. Traditionally, the Ennies are held at Gen Con. The event finished at 3am my time, and as you might expect, Twitter was ablaze with opinion throughout. What I thought might be useful was to list the gold winners and then tackle some of the questions from the night. There have been controversies this year, so let's call them that. First up, how did it go? Well, the opening few minutes had me worried. I feared for the hosts. Why? It was evident that there was only one sound channel, and, at least to begin with, no apparent cue to tell the host when it was their turn to start speaking again. Now, in the opening few minutes, this looked like to be a significant problem, as every single nominee who'd been made it this far had been asked to film a short acceptance speech, which, if they won, would be aired. But if the hosts couldn't hear or see the video, then how would they know when to start speaking again? Well, that awkwardness lasted only a short while, and the hosts and the organisers, I don't know how, came up with a system that pretty much worked. There was a blip or two when an acceptance video lost its sound, and I speculate that was someone in the IT team trying to mute the hosts' microphones, but not the whole stream. And I think it takes quite some stamina to sit for two hours and barely make a noise. And that's what the hosts had to do. So, as well as saying congratulations to the winners, I also want to thank the hosts. Misha Bushiega, Kenneth Height, Robin D. Laws, Mike Pondsmith and Chris Spivey for what must have been a challenging gig. And who won? Well, I'll go through the list in the order that they were announced. And as this is a short podcast, I'll restrict myself to only the gold winners. Best Family Game or Product was won by Jim Henson's Labyrinth by River Horse. Best Aid or Accessory was won by The Deck of Many Animated Spells by Hitpoint Press. Best Online Content was won by The Monsters Know What They're Doing by Saga Press. Best Podcast was won by Asians Represent. Best Monster or Adversary was won by Mordecai's Fiendish Folio Volume 1 Monsters Malevolent and Benign by Wizards of the Coast. Best Cover Art was won by Call of Cthulhu, Berlin, the Wicked City by Chaosium. Best Interior Art was won by the Ultraviolet Grasslands by Exalted Funeral Press. Best Organised Play was won by Stygia Untamed by Greasy Snitches and Paul Gabat. Best Free Game Product was the TT RPG Safety Toolkit by Smooching Knife. Best RPG-related product was Absence in Kankosa by Pelgrane Press. Best electronic book was New Tales of Miskatonic Valley, 2nd edition by Stygian Fox. Best layout and design was won by Morkborg by Free League Publishing. Best cartography was won by Trilemma Adventures Compendium, Volume 1 by Trilemma Adventures. Best rules went to Thousand Year Old Vampire by Petit Guinot. Best Writing went to Morkborg by Free League Publishing. 
Best Adventure was A Pound of Flesh by Tuesday Night Games. Best Setting, Call of Cthulhu, Berlin in the Wicked City by Chaosium. Best Supplement went to Delta Green The Labyrinth by Arc Dream Publishing. Best Production Values went to Thousand Year Old Vampire by Petit Gnaud. Fans' Choice for Best Publisher went to Free League Publishing. Best Game went to Alien, the role-playing game, by Free League Publishing. And finally, Product of the Year went to Morkborg by Free League Publishing. A Thousand-Year-Old Vampire appears twice on that list. That's a solo play RPG, and the game guides your ancient vampire through choices and memories. It's, it's probably very different to games you might have played before. The designer, Tim Hutchings, urged winners of the NAs to use their time in the limelight to help more marginalised designers. He also thanked Shut Up and Sit Down for their review, which helped relight attention on the game. So in the show notes, you'll find a link to that review. Free League Publishing's Alien won the best game. That's based on the Alien movie franchise and has two modes of play, cinematic and campaign. Free League Publishing write the cinematic ventures for you, providing characters, and you're going to die. I mean, these encounters are like the movie. On the other hand, if you want to be an explorer, or maybe even a hero in the world of Alien, then you use the rules of the campaign model to run traditional sci-fi adventures. Geek Native reviewed Alien last year, and I liked it. The game that won many awards, and which took home the grand prize of Best Product of the Year, is Morkborg. I've not read that one, and nearly bet the Kickstarter, and I wish I had now. Morkborg describes itself as an old-school Renaissance-style game, but that means different things to different people. So I would describe it as a visually stunning game, with a straightforward system. And I think it's the art and the writing that makes Morkborg such a memorable game. I mean, it's yellow and black. It's an art RPG. It's a Doom Metal album of a game. I even have the Doom Metal tracklist put together by the designer Johan Noor for it. And yeah, you will find that in the show's transcript. I don't think it's a controversial winner. But I did mention controversies and Twitter opinions. So let's tackle some of those. Now, I've decided not to name names. Last night, at about 5am, I had a collection of tweets ready to share, but one's already been deleted, so I suspect some things were said in the heat of the moment, and therefore, let's take the following as anecdotal. I saw people complaining that the NES was all about giving cis white men awards. Now, I think that's a valid subject to raise. I think for any public event, the organisers should be made acutely aware that they have responsibility to ensure that the panel isn't completely and entirely composed of white men. That's not what I saw last night. Firstly, I don't think any of the winners gave their pronouns. And it's entirely possible that rather than a he-him winner giving the acceptance speech, it was a they-them winner. One of the indie companies that won a God Award is run by and was founded by a transsexual woman. Okay, she didn't appear on the camera, but that's just one very real example of why a brief encounter over Twitch video isn't enough to pigeonhole someone. It's also worth pointing out that Stacey Muth, the Ennies director, is a woman. The judges equally were a robust and diverse group, as were the hosts. As the winners were announced, there were, of course, lots of white men, but it wasn't a whitewashing. I saw many people of colour. In fact, the next time 
I'm in a fight with some vile racist idiot who thinks RPGs should be only made for white men because only white men play RPGs. I hope to point them at a video of last night's event. Predictably, the next controversy was over Wizards of the Coast. Many people in the audience were clearly not Watsy fans. That shows how far role-playing has come as a scene. This, after all, was a virtual GenCon and a virtual Ennies. The N in Ennies comes from the website Eric Noah's unofficial D&D 3rd Edition News. That's better known as N-World these days, which has been run by Russ Morrissey from 2004. So while the Ennies and N-World are no longer related, the awards are originally from a D&D news site. GenCon was created by Gary Gygax. GenCon, for a time was owned by TSR. I did not expect to see this many anti-D&D people at the event. Wizards of the Coast had one nomination and took home one gold. That was for Mordenkind's Fiendish Folio Volume 1 Monsters Malevolent and Benign. Now, Wizards of the Coast did not provide an acceptance video, and the online crowd did not like that, and maybe Watsy probably should have had. However, they were not the first and nor the last company not to provide a video. So if you're going to criticise Watsy for not doing one, then that criticism carries over even if it's just splash damage to the others. And I don't think bigger companies make it easier to do as an excuse. I think a bigger company would have all sorts of problems in filming an acceptance speech for an award that they have not won. Essentially, that's what everyone had to do, and I can see how that would make PR handlers uncomfortable. The bigger issue, though, is that the team of three authors who worked on Mordenkind's Swedish Folio, and one of those three is Mike Merles. Now, Merles is not popular with a good chunk of the RPG community right now. Some gamers allege that Merles failed in his duty of care when complaints were made against a game designer working on a D&D project. It's a messy story, filled with conjecture, so I'm going to leave it there, but I certainly felt disappointed when I read through some of the claims against him. However, Morales was not the only designer who walked in Mordecai's fiendish folio. I don't think it's appropriate to dismiss their efforts by describing the prize as Morales. All in all, it seems like the real controversy came in the run-up to the awards, and perhaps this is why some people were spoiling for a fight. We talk about this particular drama in more detail in Audio EXP 51 on the 4th of July, but, in short, one of the nominees from this year's shortlist withdrew in protest over a winner from a few years back. That winner was a Lamentations of the Flame Princess adventure called Blood and Chocolate. That's an adventure that the author now disowns and admits was an attempt to be edgy. However, the publisher has the rights and insists on still selling it. Drive-Thru RPG has forced them to put a content disclaimer on the adventure, which, mockingly, they have done so. Now, one disclaimer of my own. I sat up until 3am to live blog the Ennies and produce that winners list. At the time this podcast has been recorded, the official NE site has not yet announced the list. They did tweet the event, I have checked my list against their tweets, but if there are any mistakes that were made last night, then I've captured them too. And if there are any post-ceremony changes to be made, I've not made them. I've used headers for categories, and I've used a strong tag to highlight gold and silver, which I then follow by a hyphen and a hyperlink reference of the game or media, and then in plain text I've added the publisher or designer. I grouped all the judges' spotlight winners together. So if you see another site using that format, then they may have copy-pasted that from the Geek Native list. 
that's okay. It's not my original content, but it means if I've made a mistake or if I've not captured a future correction, then they haven't either. Right. I don't want to spend this entire podcast about the NAs, so let's squeeze in some more news. And let's start with the subject related and data that Geek Native will publish later today. Barely half of regular convention goers want to go to a geeky convention in 2021. Last month, Geek Native had a copy of the card game 5211 to give away. To enter that competition, you had to say whether you often, sometimes, or never went to conventions and whether you hoped to go next year, or hadn't decided, or knew you weren't going to go. When I look at those responses from people who say that they attended at least one convention a year, only 52% of them want to attend one in 2021. 18% knew that they didn't want to go, leaving 29% undecided. Safe to say this is not the news like Comic Con, UK Games Expo or Gen Con want to hear. In other news, Netflix's The Dragon Prince is getting an RPG. As I've previously speculated in audio EXP podcasts, I think The Waking Giant in high-profile franchises that go on to get an RPG is a company called Fandom. They run D&D Beyond, and they bought an RPG system called Cortex Prime. The Dragon Prince, Tales of Exadia, will use Cortex Prime. But it's too sudden for me to crow and say I told you so. It's only one game, but I think it's an exciting development. I imagine that Games Workshop are less than excited right now. They've launched an app and a subscription service to Warhammer 40k. However, the free Android app has been panned by reviewers, and the Apple app isn't out yet. Apple has a strict quality control before approval. The problem? Well, the app seems to be a wrapper for the free Warhammer 40k rules in a PDF posted in Google Drive. Awkward. Another awkwardness was dealt with by Modifius Entertainment this week. After a series of talks, former streamer Adam Cobell has resigned from Modifius Entertainment's June RPG project. For context, Cobell became a controversial figure after running an abuse scene in a live stream. He stepped back from streaming, received death threats, but until this week, remained part of the June team. There's a new Curse of Strad edition coming. A revamped one. This is Wizards of the Coast Ravenloft adventure for 5e. The original is popular, but has some cultural sensitivity blunders in it. These missteps have been acknowledged by Wizards, and now we're all expecting the new edition to have been reworked to fix those errors. So if June and Ravenloft have hopefully moved through a period of awkwardness, and Games Workshop is working through one right now, let's look to the future and speculate on a new drama brewing. We might see that with a trademark, or a wordmark to be precise, application from Restoration Games, who want to use the phrase Hero Quest Legacies. As the name suggests, Restoration Games specialises in restoring games, and Hero Quest, the one from Games Workshop and Milton Bradley, would qualify and is much loved. However, Chaosium also has a Hero Quest game, and they're still publishing it. I'm confident they will not be happy with a new Hero Quest popping up even if it's an old hero quest returning again. If you don't defend trademarks, you lose them. It's a story to watch. Let's finish up now with some quick fire good news. For the next little while, you can get the entire The Dying Earth RPG collection, all the supplements in the bundle of holding. You can also get plenty of Star Trek Adventure RPG goodies in Humble Bundle. Fantasy Flight Games, former RPGs look to be in safe hands 
and often with the same developers in their new home at Edge Studios. The RPG manager, Sam Stewart, has strongly hinted that a new Twilight Imperium RPG is a project that they'll be working on and that it will use the Genesis system. Stewart also confirmed that Midnight for 5e is coming. Midnight, Legacy of Darkness, is a Middle-Earth-style world except the Dark Lord 1. In the game, the players take on the roles of surviving members of the human elf and dwarf armies. So next week, let's catch up with Geek Natives RPG Publisher Spotlight, the patron activities and new competitions. And on that note, let's wrap. So keep safe, keep well, and I'll see you next week.